But in 2001, August 1st, 2001, so I sold this in 87, now it's 2001, uh, I had gone back and bought the pawn shop I started with when I was a child, and we quadrupled it over the next 10 years. Wow. And I was working three days a week. My partner was working the other three days a week. The guy that hired me when I was you know, a child, and we had a very successful company. And then I was headed to the office, and uh, I ran over and killed a pedestrian. Ooh on my way to the office. And that's really quite honestly, where my story really starts. And here's the reason we had a great amount of success financially, but I didn't have any significance. Welcome to the innovative founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Hello, founders. Hey, founders. What's going on? So good to have you with us again. It's Bob and Brandon for another week. We show up each and every week. Every week. Like like the post office. We're on time. Rain, snow, sleep. (laughs) We're here. We are for you. (laughs) I saw some meme a while back about all the different delivery companies out there. and And, you know, Amazon, the Amazon experiences... We've left your package exactly six inches from your front door. Here's a photo of it. And and then the experience of the post office was, wait, you had a package? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's funny. So what, but we're here. What, what I like, Brandon, and this is not a rant on the post office, but yeah. let, let's say you get like a package. They'll put the package at the doorstep and then they put your mail in the mailbox. Like they came to right. the door. It's kind of like. And like they hand you to the package, but then they yeah. put the mail in the mailbox. Like, right. couldn't you walk the letters and the bills and the magazines up? So it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's I wouldn't want to be a postal worker. No, like I, I'm not. No. I, I don't want to disparage them because some of those no. individuals work 30, 40 years and give great service and they're happy. Some aren't. <laughs> Well, they used to live up in the mountains a little bit more where it's a lot of, you know, long winding roads in the mountains and then you get snow. And gosh, I remember seeing postal workers out at Sunday at 5 p.m. trying to deliver mail. So they, they it's a very thankless job. Um, amongst, at, at least up here. Yeah, yeah. Amongst others, certainly. So. Yeah. Didn't mean to get on a rant about that. Yeah. For sure, postal, but, um, but so if you're a postal worker out there, we appreciate you. And we know you have a rough job. So speaking uh, of a rough job, air travel, how, how was your trip? Uh, we were, you were here in Chicago for a couple yeah. of days. Everything we go great, well. Went really good. We had a great uh, filming session with Perry Marshall. We, as we, people know we do his promotions. So we had a really good session there. Got some time with the sister, the family, um, ate some good food, had some good conversation and, and enjoyed that time. Enjoyed the the gray, the the grayish winter. It's your it is of. still gray. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've seen the sun for a week. So you know, if you enjoy gray, uh, winter in Chicago is fantastic. But we haven't had. I'm not even going to say it. I just won't even say it on air. 
what we haven't had. But I'm really glad that it's raining. Yeah, I'm glad that it's raining. That that's the type of precipitation that I can uh, I can put up with because it it doesn't need to be moved after it falls. Let's just put it that way. Um, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I know yes. by the time this airs, it's probably the end of my season, but uh, we we came off a win last night. Oh, yeah, uh, tell us about that. All three levels uh, had a victory. It's been uh, we're a smaller school. We're playing some bigger schools and it's tough to play against teams that got more guys and more talented guys. And our, our guys fought last night. Uh, we were down at halftime, uh-huh. um, weren't playing particularly well made some mental errors and I did what a good coach did is I went in and I called him out on it. And, uh, it was a calculated, uh, raising of the voice. Let's put it that way. Ah. Um, when you're, when you're coaching boys at that age, you got to get their attention. It's not mean it's you are waking them up because ah. sometimes those boys are in a little bit of a mental stupor. Ah. And so we were down 13 to 10 at the half. I went in and made it clear that that was not acceptable um, based on what we were doing and what they were doing. And uh, we came out, well, we won the game 37 to 24. Nice. So we, we, we came back strong. We had a really nice second half. And so, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, when, uh, what I, I was thinking about that as we were interviewing our guest today, um, Aaron Walker, who, who you're going to hear in a minute leads mastermind groups, and he's kind of a master coach. And he talks in, to, he talks in this interview about needing to hear the truth. Like you don't want to be coached by somebody that's going to always agree with you or just like, like give you constant praise and there's no correction there's no honesty i mean brandon do you really want to work with with a with us is it a sensei is that what you call him oh a professor in jujitsu a professor do you want to work with a professor that's not going to call out your bullshit no 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 No, i mean it's good it's like snaps you out of your own stupidity sometimes and you're it's yeah because there's just fundamental things in jujitsu that you cannot ignore. And at the highest level of belts, sometimes you're still doing it. I'm still doing some stuff. I should have weaned out three, five years ago. Right. Jiu-jitsu. So it's just, it's the constant kind of what should I be focusing on? And what happens in jujitsu is you're doing a roll or a live round or you're learning a technique and you can get caught up in the mechanics. And then when you go live and you're supposed to do it in real time. Yes. Um, what happens, at least for my brain, is like I'm going, oh, step one, step two, step three. And no, like, no, I can't do that. I just have to move. I have to. It has to be intuitive. Um, you you need to practice over and over to turn yeah. that into muscle memory. You yeah. don't want to be thinking process. So, yeah, like when we're setting up plays and practicing plays, it's a it's a way to create movement, but it's not for you to create a robot. Um, you, you need to react to what your opponent is doing. Jiu-jitsu and basketball are very similar in that way. Yeah. Um, and so a good coach will, will, will make sure that they hold you accountable to that. Like, you know, this, uh, Aaron Walker is, runs, runs a company called view from the top. Um, he had a banner, uh, iron sharpens iron. It's very much about accountability. It's about excellence. It's about pushing yourself beyond limits that, even self-imposed limits. And uh, I think he's going to really share his, uh, a really cool kind of life journey that led him to that. And uh, some, some really 
kind of critical disruptions along the way that um, could have broken his life, but it was the the honesty of a fellow mastermind member that really called him out and, and helped him out of his funk. So um, I think you're going to really love this uh, interview today. So uh, with that, we want to introduce to you Mr. Aaron Walker. Hey, founders, we are so happy Welcome. to have Mr. Aaron Walker with us today from the great city of Nashville, Music Nashville. City. How are you, Aaron? I'm doing great, man. From the hub of the universe right here in Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee, which yes. where it all happens. Yeah, right? it's like it's 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 you know, it's this entertainment capital, right? I mean, I know, I know. so much, so much art and music comes out of Nashville. It's it's yeah, amazing, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's a very entrepreneurial city now. Yeah. You know, a lot of the big name folks, the Frisk and then uh the Ingrams, they've uh allocated a lot of money for the entrepreneurial center. A lot of real high level tech companies are being birthed here now. Wow. Uh, it's not just the music capital anymore. You know, it's a big medical uh, facilities oh, wow. here and a okay. uh, lot, lot of really cool stuff happening. But Nashville is a great city. People ask me all the time, man, if you could live anywhere where I say I can live anywhere and I do live in the place <laughs> that I would choose. It's That's Nashville awesome. because it's the hub of the universe. So I love it. <laughs> I love what's your favorite thing about Nashville? What what are you are you into music, or food? What's what's some of your favorites? Yeah, you know, the I'm 62 years now. We're three generations deep in Nashville. Yeah. And so we've got deep, deep roots here. There's just so much offered here. You know, there's great lakes, there's great hiking. Uh within a couple of hours drive, there's a lot of hiking. Uh, you know, the music here is second to none. Uh, the entertainment is phenomenal. Uh, the food is off the chart. It's like, I don't have to go but 10 minutes away for any of those things. And so it's just so centrally located. We can be on, you know, the coast in you know, six and a half, seven hours. We can go to the Gulf in six hours. Nice. Uh, yeah. It's just a great place to live. We don't have to worry about hurricanes, uh, you know, but still got the ability to enjoy the beach at just a half a day's drive. So, it, and it's the home of the fun. Nashville hot chicken, which we see all over the country. It now. is. It <laughs> is. Listen, when you come here, though, you need to go to Bolton's Chicken. It's a Bolton's? little Bolton's. It's a little okay. greasy spoon down on Ooh, Main Street, yeah. and they got chicken in there that'll oh. curl your eyelids. See, that's I mean, what I'm talking buddy. about. Yeah. The locals, the locals. <laughs> yes, know. yes. They know. Bolton's. I don't want any of the tourist stuff. I want the Bolton's is the place you need to so, go. Yeah, to it can't curl her hair because none of us are uh, right. crazy. No, right. Really, it's we. This is, if you hair. get to see if you get to Chest see hair. us now, it's just three real shiny, good-looking globes. Yes, yeah. right yes. now the dome. It's a uh, curly and mo. Is that how it goes? And, <laughs> curly, curly, and curly. I think I it's know. curly, curly, and curly. So, curly, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, well, Aaron, it's great to it's great to meet you. Great to have you Me on. Too. Tell us a little bit what's what's exciting for you right now, personal life, business life. Um, what are you jazzed about right now? Yeah, you know, I'm pretty excited in every area of my life. Uh, things have been really good for me for a long time, and uh, business is really good. We founded View from the Top, and uh, we have mastermind groups called Iron Sharpens Iron. Currently, we have about 15 mastermind groups. We're in five countries around the world. Wow. Uh, we have uh, 150 guys that are really taking their lives to a higher level personally, professionally, and spiritually. Every arena of your life, they're really leveling up. That's fun. Uh, five grandkids. I've got a granddaughter that's six, and I've got a granddaughter that's 20. 
and uh, every age in between. So there's wow. five grandchildren. Robin and I just celebrated our 42nd wedding anniversary. Wow. So like <laughs> the interview's over, like how could it get any better than that? <laughs> that's good. It's good. good. So that's what I'm excited about right now. Just really living life at a high level uh, in regards to my personal, professional, spiritual life. So yeah, beautiful, good. beautiful, good. beautiful. Well, masterminds, Aaron, are really critical to Brandon and I's existence. Um, I joined my first mastermind in 2004 okay. and it completely changed the, the trajectory of my career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so first of all, I'll, I'll let you have the floor. It's, you know, it's your podcast today. Uh, tell us if, if people aren't really familiar with what a mastermind group is, go ahead and share a little bit about what a mastermind group does, how it supports people, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'd like to digress a little and go back to uh, my finding of this, because I think it's uh, noteworthy to help people understand that even if you've been in business a long time, and I have, you know, this is my 44th year being a small business owner. We've owned 14 mm. businesses over the course of 44 years. And uh, also about uh, year 2000, I was introduced to mastermind groups. A friend of mine uh, invited me to join his mastermind group. And I said, man, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. Like by this time I had already sold a number of businesses and uh, had kind of grinded it out on my own, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I didn't know what the concept even was and wasn't even familiar with it. And he said, won't you just come to my office next Wednesday morning? He and I've been friends for a long time. I'd sponsored his show. And he said, uh, I'll introduce you to the other guys. And I went like, what do we do in there? It's not a cult, is it? <laughs> That's what I thought at first. I thought, what is this? Like, if I got Kool-Aid, I got a drink when I come in the yeah. door or knock yeah. three times. Yeah. Like, how do... And so I get there and uh, I told Robin, my wife, I said, I don't want to go. She said, why don't you want to go? I said, because they're going to get all authentic and transparent and vulnerable. Ooh. And like, I don't want to do that. She said, why don't you want to do that? I said, well, then they're going to find out the truth about me and they may oh. not like me. Isn't that and interesting? She said, why don't you just go try? And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go, but I don't want to go, but I'm going to go. So I went and uh, the guy introduced me to the other guys and they were pretty cool. It was like, Hey, this is pretty cool. So the following week go back and one of the guys start talking about a marriage situation that he was having. And I went, man, the dude going deep here pretty quick. And mm -hmm. uh, so we all kind of got around him and started sharing. And the next week I go back and one of the guys said, uh, Hey, I've got a daughter that's being promiscuous and, uh, not sure how to handle this. I never had a 16 year old and we're, I'm like, man. And so we talked through that and a couple of weeks later, go back and uh, they're talking about cash flow issues in their business. <laughs> and I'm like, man, they really are becoming vulnerable. And I, I come home and I'm started laughing when I walked in the door, Robin goes, what are you laughing about? I said, Robin, <laughs> they're more screwed up than I am. And I yeah. said, I have found my people. They're real. <laughs> and she said, my what tribe. do you mean? I said, well, yeah. they're, they're just like, they're just letting the veil down. There's no yeah. facade. And so, man, that's turned into multiple decades of me doing the same thing. And so when I retired for the third and final time, 12 years ago, my buddy said I should coach. And so I started coaching and started doing podcast interviews and God just opened the floodgates. People started coming from everywhere. And I'm like, I can't coach this many people. Hmm. Robin said, wow. what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to start a mastermind. And so she goes, how many? I said, one, I'm going to start one mastermind group. And so I did. 
Then Pat Flynn invited me on his show. John Lee Dumas had me on Entrepreneur on Fire. And then I look up and mm. I got all these people and I got nowhere to put them. And I went back to Robin and I said, listen, we're going to start two more mastermind groups. And she goes, oh, here we go again. Like yeah. I've been on this journey <laughs> before. And I said, Robin, it's transforming these guys' lives. Like they're growing mm. in every area of their life. It's so helped us in my journey. So here's the answer to your question after giving you the backstory. I think we overcomplicate this. I think that we try to give this fancy definition for what masterminds are. The truth is they're your board of directors. Ah, yeah. They're trusted okay. advisors. They're people that have the data to support the advice that they give you. And what I mean by that is that a couple of weeks ago, a buddy of mine invited me to go to lunch and I went to lunch with him and we were sitting there and we're casual acquaintances. We're not real close friends. And I said, Hey, I said, I'm set. I set him up. Y'all going to like this. I set him up. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about buying condo in Florida. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, it's getting kind of cold in Nashville, you know, during the winter. And as I get older and I'm thinking about buying a condo in Florida, what do you think about that? And he said, uh, yeah, big A, I think that'd be a good idea. I said, why do you think it'd be a good idea? And he said, well, you said you wanted one. I said, yeah. He goes, and I'm sure you can afford it. I said, this thing's a million bucks. And he goes, well, you've owned all these businesses. I'm sure you can afford it. And I stopped him and I said, Billy, I said, uh, can I be rude? He goes, I don't <laughs> expect anything other than that from you. And I, said, <laughs> uh, I said, the truth is you don't know Robin. You don't know Brooke or Holly. You don't know any of my five grandkids. You don't know my propensity in business. You don't know my blind spots. You don't know my superpowers. And you sure don't know anything about my finances. Yeah. He said, no, I don't. I said, you really can't help me make this decision, can you? He said, no, I really can't. Well, see, here's what we do every day. We ask for advice and they have no context. Uh -huh. And then we go and try to implement the advice that they gave and it's not applicable to you. Sure. And that's the reason that we need to be in masterminds. Uh -huh. Everything that I just said, every member in my mastermind group, they know the answer to those questions. And so when I go present a situation, they can give me feedback that's applicable to me. Got it. And that's the reason that we've had success over the course of my career is because people are giving me advice that know me. And mm. That's the reason we all need to be in a mastermind. I love that. I love that. There, there's so much free, infinite advice on the interwebs mm. uh, for entrepreneurs around what you should do and how you should do it and your <laughs> approach and your mindset. And they know nothing about context, about who you are, what you value. No. Um, no. I love that. We get people all the time call us and say, hey, such and such is having a mastermind group and it's X thousand dollars to attend for 48 hours and you go get around a bonfire with people yeah. with name tags on and yeah. they give you advice and you go home and do it and you wonder why it don't work. Wow. Interesting. And there, we need done that. people, yeah, we need people around us that can answer the hard questions as it relates to your data so that they then can give you solid, it, it may be good advice, but it may be good for somebody else. Yeah. It may not be good for you. Love that. Love that. Tell us a little about your journey to where you are. So just kind of looking through the show notes, um, you started your first business. Was it at 18? Did I read? Yeah, I did. Tell me so about I'll that. Y'all going way back. Yeah. And so yeah, all right, here's the deal. Millennia here. We're going. So I was, 
I was raised in a really good environment, but a really poor environment. Like mm. my dad was a good man, uh, yeah. high character, integrity, but we were broker than a convict. I mean, we didn't have any <laughs> money at all. And so at 13 years old, I decided, Hey, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to like, I'm not going to go out there and work physically hard. Like my dad did. He's a general mm -hmm. contractor, nothing against general contracting, but he was the guy with the hammer and the nails and he was building these sure. houses. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to work that hard. And he used to make a little bit of money in the summer. My mom would put canned goods in the pantry and nail a board over half of it. So we'd have something in the winter to eat. I mean, oh, so wow. I know about being broke. And I thought, man, there has got to be like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do that. And that sure. was a big motivator for me. So my dad invited me to help him one summer when I was 13 years old, turn a beauty shop into a pawn shop. Well, I didn't Ooh. even know what a pawn shop was. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but if I can make money, I'll do it. And so went, <laughs> spent the whole summer doing that. At the end of it, I went up to the owner, Herb Berry. And I said, listen, I go to school just down the street. What about uh, you hiring me to help you sweep and clean up around here? He goes, well, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. And I said, well, this is a good time to think about it. And he <laughs> said, uh, okay, I'm going to do it. So he hired me. I said, it's the shortest interview in history. And so Perfect. I started working at the pawn shop, sweeping, wiping the showcases down, putting up stock and $1.70 an hour. I thought I was lighting it up. There you go. Uh. Two years later, I decided I wanted to do that as a profession. I'm 15 years old. I go to summer school and night school for 18 months. I'm able to graduate the beginning of my junior year in high school. Perfect. Meet a couple of guys named Roger Street and Dale Garrett. They own the 21st largest insurance agency in the country at the time. They were coming in our pawn shop buying diamonds and gold to hedge against inflation. Mm. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, hedge against inflation. But sure. if you're going to buy the diamonds and gold and I'm the salesman and I'm making commission, I'm going to keep selling it to you. <laughs> and so they kept buying it, big, large quantities of it. And I went to them one day and I said, hey, could I meet with you guys privately? And they said, yeah, sure. So I'm 18 years old at this time. And I go to their office and I'm a nervous or a cat on a tin roof, man. I walk in their office, this big plush office. And I sit down and I said, I want to take your money in my experience and open a pawn shop. Oh, wow. He said, how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. I get asked that question a lot. And he's, I said, I'm 18. He said, we never had anybody 18 approach us. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, Hey, I don't know what to say about that, but what do you think? And they said, well, let us think about it. Well, they started checking on me and checking our community and my local church. And they came back and they said, uh, we're going to do it. I said, nice. well, they said, yeah. They said, how much is it going to cost to open it? I thought about it for a minute. I said, I'll get back with you on that in a couple of weeks. And I went back. I didn't have a clue how to do a pro forma, a business plan. And so I made up some numbers <laughs> and I said, this, <laughs> this should be enough. This should be enough. <laughs> now you got to remember this was in the seventies. Yeah. So I went back to him and I said, it cost $150,000 to open a pawn shop. Okay. And I was praying to Jesus. That was enough. <laughs> and they said, we're going to do it. And so, uh, they became partners of mine. And, um, uh, a year later I opened the pawn shop a year later, I waited on Robin to graduate from high school. Two months later, we get married. I set her in our little condo, 600 square foot condo. I paid $19,500 for, her, and I said, Robin, you come from a family broker than me and we may never get this chance again. So here's what we're going to do. Every dollar we make, we're going to pay it on that loan. 
Okay. Okay. So 10, 10 year loan. We're going to pay every dollar on that loan. We paid the loan off in 36 months. Wow. I'm 21 nice. years old. We got a paid for pawn shop. And I said, I can do it again. And I did. And then I did again and again and again. And when I was 27 years old, Cash America knocked on my door. They're a Fortune 500 in Fort Worth, Texas. And they said, we want to buy your pawn business. Wow. I said, I'm not for sale. They made three <laughs> passes at me. Finally, they came back and they said, uh, Mr. Walker, if you were going to sell, how much would you sell for? I just arbitrarily pulled the number out of the air like I did the $150,000. And they said, we'll take it. <laughs> wow. Well, now I got to make a decision and uh, talk to my banker, talk to Rob and I'm Christian by faith. So, you know, we pray about everything. So I prayed yeah. about it and I went back and we did the deal. And so oh, that's amazing. I retired. Yeah. So that's Fantastic. Was so, it, so was your it first shop or was it multiple? Multiple yeah. shops. Multiple yeah. shop. How many? Yeah. How many yeah. Was, yeah. About well, how many was it? I, I had bought and sold a dozen pawn shops over okay. the course of that nine years. Okay. And then we had pared it down and we had combined a couple of them. And so ended up selling them to the locations and, uh, it was enough. It was, it was enough in, in, Nash, in Nashville, Aaron. Yeah. Wow. You know, the thing so, that was funny about it is I just built a new building and they said, um, uh, you can keep the buildings. We're just buying the business. And I said in myself, I thought I'd price the whole thing. And so matter of fact, they're still my tenant. They've been in there since 1987. Oh my and goodness. They're still still my tenant. Yeah, wow. In the building. So anyway, I don't want to say that in a boastful sense because I don't mean it in a boastful sense. I just no. mean it. That's kind yeah, of the yeah, background. Yeah. No, and that was lovely. the catalyst. Yeah, that was the catalyst that kind of gave me uh, an opportunity to start other companies. I do want to fast forward to something that's really relevant to my story that I think will be helpful and beneficial to your audience if we could pivot just for a moment. By all means. But in 2001, August 1st, 2001, so I sold this in 87. Now it's 2001. Uh, I had gone back and bought the pawn shop I started with when I was a child, and we quadrupled it over the next 10 years. Wow. And I was working three days a week. My partner was working the other three days a week. The guy that hired me when I was you know, a child, and we had a very successful company. And then I was headed to the office, and uh, I ran over and killed a pedestrian. Ooh on my way to the office. And that's really quite honestly, where my story really starts. And here's the reason we had a great amount of success financially, but I didn't have any significance. Mm. And that's what I want your audience to really hear more than my story. That what I had discovered during this period of time that I took off. Matter of fact, after I had the accident, I sold the business. I took five years off. I didn't do anything for five years. <sighs> and I came to the realization that if I had been killed that day, not the pedestrian, what would yeah. my legacy have been? Okay. I'd never thought about legacy up until that point. And I thought, what would my legacy had been? Here's what my legacy would have been. Poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee makes enough money to retire at age 27 mm. and nobody cares. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, that's not, that's not what I want. What I want is Brandon and Bob's life to be better as a result of having interacted with me. Mm. I want to bring the light. I want to bring the encouragement. I want to show empathy and compassion and help you accomplish your goals and your dreams. I want to be the connector 
I don't want people looking at me thinking he had a big house on the hill and a place on the beach and big cars because it doesn't impact anybody and nobody even cares. But when you start thinking about the impact that you can make on other person's lives as a result of your influence and how you can be that encourager, I said, God, if you'll give me another chance, I'll turn the ship around. I'll do it a different way. And we've Mm -hmm. been outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. We've been the giver, not the taker for the past two decades now. Mm And the irony of it, we do better financially now than I've ever done. And they've got a huge significance component to our life. Mm. And that's the message that I'm trying to get out to people today. Listen, we were designed to be in community. Isolation Mm. is the enemy of excellence. And if we want to excel in any area of our life, we have to be outwardly focused. We have to be the giver, not the taker. And we've got to take people on the journey with us. And when you do that, you will have lived a very successful and significant life. And Mm. so that's the quest that I'm on today. Hey, founders. Hope you're enjoying this conversation with Aaron Walker. Just how powerful um, the mastermind concept was for him at the time when he was at his lowest. And we want to encourage you, if if masterminds are something that you want to get connected to, um, Aaron does run a mastermind group. He has a series of groups and he's inviting you to get on a call with him. If you go to viewfromthetop.com, viewfromthetop.com, um, like Aaron says, nobody wants to, to see the view from the bottom. You want the view from the top. Um, so get in connection with him. If, if masterminds, if you're interested in joining or if you're interested in maybe facilitating your own, uh, they have resources that are available to you. So head over to viewfromthetop.com. Now back to the show. You're listening to the innovative founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Aaron, it, it doesn't, it never ceases to amaze me. Just, it, just recent guests we've had in past, it, it never ceases to amaze me that the power of some kind of painful disruption mm. that happens to create an awakening. And it's up close and personal for me in my life. And if we've seen it, Bob, and I've had guests on, and we see it over and over and over again. You know, you're in this vein, you're in this lane, you, you know, you're doing the things, you're you're creating the life that everyone says you're supposed to create, right? Yeah. And and then Hollow. boom, something happens to shake the snow globe, to cause a major disruption. And how you respond to that di- disruption can 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 be an exponential value like you're like you're talking right. about now for people mm-hmm. um not not just you but sounds like thousands of people you've influenced mm. and i appreciate that mike mccallowitz called me not too terribly long ago he's writing a new book and wanted to interview me for the book and he said that the vast majority of the people that are making the biggest move today are the people that have been radically impacted by devastation Hmm. why does it take a catastrophe in our lives? We're intelligent people. Why can't we make the right decision? And that's the reason I want people to listen to me loud and clear today. If you're borderline in a bad place, move away from the edge. If you're not Mm -hmm. the giver, you're the taker, become the giver. If you're living a life just for success, look outwardly and live a life of significance as well. You can do both. You can 
absolutely accomplished great success. I wrote a book called View from the Top, and it teaches you in the book how to live a life of success and significance. Because a lot of people say, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. You know, a lot of times we don't get to it later. And right. then we live a life with great regrets. And I just don't want people to have regrets. Today. And and perhaps these moments, these disruptions are designed so people you, you're not living later. I know it was was yeah. for me and, and, and I'm sure. sure for many others is the disruption had to happen mm. um, in order to do that. Um, what was that? What was that five years like for you, Aaron? You said you you kind of took off for five. It was years. tough. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was a very dark time in my life. Um, I went uh, that this was at the simultaneously. It just shows you God's providence and how He puts people around you when you need them. I was invited to be in this mastermind group right after this accident had happened. I was at the oh, curb center. Okay. Okay. I, I was at the curb center. Uh, watching Mercy Me uh, in a concert, and my friend was sitting two rows ahead of me that I had been involved in sponsoring his show for a number of years, and he's the one that invited me to be in his mastermind group, and I could call his name, and so I'll call his name. I don't mind. He's changed my life. Dave Ramsey, Dave yeah. and I are best friends, and we have yeah. been for 30 years now. I was his second sponsor, and uh, from day one when he started his, or right after he started his radio show, I sponsored his show and we sponsored it for 21 years and Dave invited me to join his mastermind group. And then he invited me, you know, he didn't know at the time, you know, that this accident had happened, but wow. he had invited me to join this mastermind group right after it happened. And, uh, it was a dark time because I would go into the mastermind group. Here's the thing. I couldn't forgive myself. It wasn't yeah. even my fault. The guy walked out in front of me. He was 77 uh, years old. His name was Enrique. He was from the Philippines originally and lived in our community. He was absolutely one of the very best friends of my physician, which is Filipino. Mm -hmm. And he spoke on our behalf and said, hey, this is a good family. This is a good guy. And they, I didn't get sued. There was no lawsuits or anything. But I couldn't get over running over, killing somebody's husband, somebody's dad, somebody's yeah. brother. Yeah. And it was just hard. It was, just, you just don't kill somebody and get over it. You know, it takes a minute to be able to accept the grace that God gives us to deal with hard situations like that. And I would go in there. This is kind of a mastermind story. So I'll share it real quick. I don't share anything real quick. I talk too much. My wife said my throat gets dry. She goes, cause you never shut up. You don't quit talking, but <laughs> So <laughs> I said, I've lived a long time. I got a lot to say, yeah. but uh, I go into the group week after week, after week, month after month. And I was talking about this thing and I just couldn't get over it. Go to counselors, go to psychiatrists, yeah. go to, you know, pastors, go to friends. And so one day a guy named James Ryle, James Ryle is the best speaker I've ever heard in my life. Storyteller is unbelievable. He was one of the members in our group. And so James called me and he said, Hey, big A, you got a minute. It was on a Saturday morning at nine 30. I was at ACE hardware in Hendersonville. I said, yeah, James. He said, uh, I was thinking about you this morning. And he said, God gave me a word for you. And I was excited because this guy can almost walk on water. You know, he's <laughs> a phenomenal guy. And, uh, I said, yeah, James, what is it? And he goes, you're wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. Wow. And I, I sat there for a minute and I didn't laugh and he didn't either. And I thought he was teasing with me. And I said, James, what'd you say? He goes, <clears throat> let me clear my throat. You're wearing the hell out of everybody in our group. And I said, James, I, I'm sorry, buddy. I, I don't understand. 
He said, I was reading in Isaiah this morning where it says, take the chains from around your neck and move on. Mm. He said, it's time you were moving on. He said, I'll see you. I got to go and hung up. I was so pissed. I want to tell you, I could have bit a nail into it at that moment. Oh. I was like, Saturday morning, he calls me and tells me that. I was furious. Well, then it dawned on me. James loved me enough to tell me the truth. Yeah. yeah. The following Wednesday, I walked in Dave's office. We met in Dave Ramsey's office. He has a conference room there. I walked in his office. Now, y'all haven't met me in person, but they don't call me Big A for uh, – for, for no reason. I'm 6'4", 230. I'm a big guy. Okay. So James is 5'7", weighs a buck and a half. Okay. So I walk <laughs> around the table. He said, I was ready for my hind end to be kicked. I knew you were fixing to punch me. <laughs> and I leaned down and I hugged him in tears running down my face. Mm. And I said, you know what? If it wasn't for you, man, I'd still be under my desk in a fetal position right now, sucking my thumb. I said, uh, you've poured into me all this time and you love me enough to tell me the truth. I'll forever be indebted to you. And it changed my life. See, wow. if I didn't have guys like that, right. Yeah. If I hadn't have been involved with these guys and talked to them, he didn't have the right to say that. Sure. But because I've subjected myself to his scrutiny, I was willing to hear what he had to say. And I knew he had my best interest at heart. I love that. I don't know what people would do without people right. like that in their life. And that's the reason that I say, no question about isolation is the enemy of excellence. Mm. So we have to have people around us that are willing to throw the flag, call us out and push us on to greater heights. I love that. Aaron, let me ask you this. What, what did that mean for you? So he, he said that you hung up, you, your response is, is anger, what weren't you allowing yourself to do? You know, we, we, we hear these <clears throat> terms, letting go, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and forgiving yourself. What, what, what was the, what was the last thing you were hanging on to with this, with this incident? You had yeah. been to the counselors, you'd been to the sure. therapist. Sure. What was it? It was what the was sorrow. It? I couldn't get over the grief because I put myself in that predicament. What if somebody had done that to me and left my daughters without a sure. dad, hmm. Robin without a husband, my five grandkids without a grandfather. It just felt so final, right? It was like, man, like, could I have done something different? I even second guessed, what if I jumped on the interstate that morning? And yeah. a buddy of mine quickly said, yeah, and you could have hit a bus and killed 50 kids on the interstate. Mm -hmm. You can't second guess that. We can't see, here's what we do. We look in the rear view mirror all the time and we second guess all the time. We can't undo that. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to me, if you're listening Right now, listen, I don't care what you've done. You can't undo it. Mm. All that we can change is what's ahead of us, not what's wow. behind us. And it took me years to understand that. And so I want to encourage you today, set it down, let it go. That failed relationship, that business that went belly up, don't use that as the filter any longer to make future decisions. Today is fresh and new. And we can start today at square one. And it took me that long to answer your question, Bob, in order to allow myself to go, okay, I have forgiven myself. I'm going to have to move on. Robin came to me. I got very depressed. I gained 50 pounds. I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And she came to me. She goes, this is not what I signed up for. And our mm -hmm. kids need you. 
Love you that. need to get up. You need to be your best self. We need you. And I'm like, you know what? That's my calling, right? I got to be the best husband, the best dad, the best grandfather. She goes like, we need you. And I'm like, okay, I got to show, I got to get up. I got to stand up. I got to pay attention. And so it, it's just, we, we wallow in this, these failures, these mm. relationships, these businesses that go south and it's not going to change it. It's just not going to change it regardless of the regrets, regardless of the bad decision, regardless of the horrific automobile accident, regardless, the only thing I can change is from this moment forward. Mm. And I want to live my best life going forward. Mm. Thank you for that. Powerful. Um, the, uh, the, the phone call. So, so Aaron, you, you got the phone call from James. You were angry. Like what was the, what was the time span from that phone call to when you actually saw him in person? Yeah. You, we, Saturday morning at nine 30 to Wednesday morning at seven. Okay. So it took you a little time to kind of process the emotion of anger. Well, the day I was pissed all day. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yeah. I messed up my whole day. And then over a course of a couple of days, I thought, I wonder how many people have friends that really throw the flag that really call them out. Like if you really love somebody, if you really care about them, you're going to say the hard things. It's the people that don't love you enough that are too scared for the conflict, the difficult 10 minute conversation. Uh, I need people around me to tell me truth. And he was willing to tell me truth. I love it. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're wired for relationship, right? You're, you're absolutely right. We are not wired for isolation. Um, humans in isolation shrivel up. They, 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 they don't become who they are supposed to be in isolation. And it really goes against the whole design. I mean, we're, we're not separate. We're one, right? What happens to you, Aaron happens to me, what happens to Brandon uh -huh. and pulling ourselves away from that does not solve that issue. You know, I'm struck you know, people hear about mastermind groups and people throw that term around a lot. A lot of them mean they're in a networking group, right, Aaron? Uh -huh. Like, right. It's 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 very transactional. It's very um, it's very thin. You know, I don't really look at mastermind groups other than anything other than being like a board of directors. A lot of people overcomplicate this, you know, and it's really just your trusted advisors. It's people that you're willing to get into a room with and you're letting the veil down. You take the facade away and they have context to everything that they need in order to help you make a good decision. So don't overcomplicate that. The audience that's listening out there today, you just think, hey, these are the trusted advisors. This is my board of directors. These are my peers. These are people that have context to everything in my life so they can help me answer the difficult situations that I'm confronted with. That's simply... So, so yeah, so Aaron, is. it's it's way way deeper. Then you're you're not there handing out business cards. This is not about you. Not like, a networking program. No, not no. not even close. What you're talking about is you're sharing life and business together, right? And that uh, and they know you in such a, a unique way, intimate sure. way, that when they give you advice, you can trust it because they know you. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just maybe solid advice, but it's maybe not applicable to you based on your current circumstances and situation. And so, yeah, it's much deeper than a networking. It's much deeper than just getting together with a bunch of people emotionally letting, you know, the veil down and 
getting advice with no context. And so these are people that have walked the journey. They understand your blind spots, your kryptonite. They understand your vision. They know your family. They know what you're about. And then they can give you good, solid advice. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Do you have any types of uh, thoughts on how people can find a, a tribe for themselves? I mean, not all masterminds are the same, and they've certainly shifted yeah, over the sure. years. Um, yeah, well, <clears throat> there, there's a couple of things that you can do in relationship to that, Brandon. You can meet with a local group, right? A lot of people like to meet in person. They don't like video, you know, chats. Yeah. They don't like to be, you know, virtual. However, I will say the pros and cons. There's nothing that ever takes the place of in person right? There's just something about being able to shake a hand, hug a neck, right? Sharing a meal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just something about that. But for the people that are listening to this today, that geographically that doesn't avail itself, then the virtual is good or better than not having one, right? Mm, and right. so what we have found though, is that people that do this virtually will go deeper, faster, and the reason that they will is because they're not um, up against the problem of we share uh, an acquaintance, our wives play tennis together, uh, I've got my banker in the group, I've got my lawyer in the group. And so like, if they know this about me, I may not be able to do X. Or if I share something intimate, and Brandon, you're and my wife play tennis together, I'm like, I wonder if he's going to go home and tell her and then Robin's going to know about this. And it mm. just puts up all kinds of barriers. And then when you're virtual, you don't have that to contend with. So that we just see people go much deeper faster. And then it's not a competitive thing. It's not other people in the same industry as you. Um, it, it just works really well. Plus, a lot of people live in rural areas where they don't have the ability to be able to meet with professionals uh, that they may need. And so that just may not be present in the geographic area that you're in. Let's talk about you kind of moving, transitioning from being a mastermind member to a coordinator of masterminds, a, a coach, yeah. if you will sure. talk about that transition. Was that something you gladly stepped into? Were you reluctant? How, how did that transition go? Yeah. You know, the truth is, Bob, I didn't want to do it at all. <laughs> People <laughs> say, well, why did you do it? And I said, well, because there was a need there. When I retired 12 years ago, I was really done. I was going to hang it up. I was going to be finished. And Dan Miller really challenged me on that. And he said, you're at the prime of your life. Like people will, will be willing to pay money for your sage wisdom, right? You've got experience. You've been married 30 plus years at the time. Now it's 43 years. And he said, uh, why would you not want to be a mentor? Why would you not want to be able to offer, you know, your knowledge and wisdom and experience? And I hadn't really thought about it. I was like, well, I've just been grinding it out my whole life. You know, why would I do that? He said, plus, most people make the most money at age 54. Significant uh, money because they've already gone through the due diligence. Brandon, good news. Do, Next year's right? going to be your best year. Yeah, <laughs> That's the year. Go. There you go. So That's excited. The marker. Right? Woo! And so uh, the transition <laughs> for me started out uh, meeting a need because I didn't want to coach that many people one-on-one. -on -one, so I started a mastermind group. And then when people started joining, I started saying, hey, I'm really helping transform the lives of now one to many, not one to one. And so I was able to leverage my time even greater. And then as we started having multiple groups, then I'm the visionary, right? I'm the orchestrator. I get everything and I get facilitators to run the groups. Now I'm leading at a much higher level, casting the vision, growing the groups. And so now we're touching more lives. We've built the framework 
we've created the programs that we go through. And so my time now is being used to do that. A lot of people have audiences today and they don't know what to do with them. And I want to tell you, it's a great way to create a platform where you are leveraging your time. You're not one-on-one. No disrespect to people that are doing one-on-one because I still do one-on-ones. I got a handful of people that I love to coach, but no disrespect, but that's not a business. That's a high paying job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a business is when you can carry forward and go on when you're not present. Yeah. Robin came to me, I don't know, probably six, seven years ago. And she said, Hey, let's go on vacation. I said, yeah, I'm all in. Let's go. And so I went on vacation and I had about 10 clients and I had to cancel those 10 clients for two weeks. And Robin said, uh, wow, this cruise we're taking is about five grand. I said, no, this cruise we're taking is 15 grand. <laughs> she said, no, it's 5,000. I paid for it. I said, no, 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 no. You don't realize that $10,000 I left on the table for these two weeks while I'm gone. And I can't make that up. Mm. And it dawned on me at that point that I had created a high paying job. Now we've created a business, a seven figure business that doesn't require me to be there. Now, when we go on a two week vacation, when I come back, we have more money in the bank than when I left because we've created systems and processes and it's not dependent on me as an individual. Now we've got something that's an asset that other investors will be interested in because it's not created on my back. If you're coaching one-on-one, what are you going to sell? When you leave one day, it's like, no, they were hiring you as their coach. Now we've got masterminds. And so I'm teaching people all over the world today to build masterminds. They've already got an audience, but they don't know what to do with them. And we've created the framework called the Mastermind Playbook that teach people how to do exactly what we're doing. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the show today. So nice um, listening to Aaron. And uh, Aaron is dropping a lot of terrific principles, one-liners, uh, thought bombs, whatever you want to call them. And I might as well just take the opportunity to talk about a service that Feed Stories has, and that is about clips and shorts. That is a, an, a methodology where people are putting up 15-second, 30-second clips of interviews, of um, any type of podcast, any type of long-form content, and pulling out the juicy stuff. And, and deploying it on different social platforms. It's not necessarily a paid ad. It's actually designed to be an organic way to get a lot of content out there and create curiosity. So if that's something that, uh, if you got a lot of videos sitting, sitting around or you're not sure really how to deploy it, Clips and Shorts are a fantastic way to do that and all platforms are supporting it more and more. If that sounds interesting to you, please reach out to us on feedstories.com. Let's have a call with you, me, and Bob, and we will see if we can find an excellent solution for you in this way. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brendan Boyd. How would I know, um, Aaron, if I'm like, am I equipped to run a mastermind? What, what are some of the things you would look for in a person to say, Hey, you're, you, you can do this. Yeah. In theory, a lot of people, I, I took some classes as an adult at one of the local colleges here and, uh, the teacher got up to teach and he was teaching on real estate principles. And, uh, of course I'm 40 years old at the time. And the kids in there were 19 to 23 years old. You know, I'm this 40 year old in the classroom. And uh, the teacher got through teaching and uh, started to go into the next thing. I said, oh, excuse me. They said, yes, Mr. Walker, what is it? They didn't like me very well. I said, because <laughs> I didn't care. I was in there to learn. I wasn't in there to get that. I didn't care about the credits. And so they said, what is it, Mr. Walker? I said, well, you're not really finished. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, you didn't talk about recovering depreciation. 
And they said, uh, well, in theory, you're right. I said, no, in practicality, I'm right. I do this every day. And uh, you've got to factor that into your ROI. And the kids in there started laughing. I said, no, 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 don't, don't laugh, don't laugh. But the teacher said, Mr. Walker, the truth is you're correct. And I said, why don't you teach these kids that? And they said, it's not in the curriculum. <laughs> and I said, is that not sad? Yeah. Is it not sad that one of the main components to real estate uh, transactions you're leaving out because it's not in the curriculum? So I would say this to people that are leading mastermind groups. You want to kind of have been there and done that, right? You don't want to get up and lead these groups with no sense of experience whatsoever. And that doesn't mean you have to own a number of businesses like we have. I'm not suggesting that because a lot of people haven't. But you want to be able to be skilled in a certain trade. You want to have been there before you get up and talk about it. And I can give you countless examples of that. Reading in books, education, all those things are good, but there's nothing really better than the personal application. You've been in the trenches, you've walked it. That doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. And let me explain what I mean. There's a big difference between group coaching and facilitating mastermind groups. What you're doing is presenting a framework where the value is added from the members. Yes. It's not everybody doesn't look at me for all the answers in our groups because I learned so much. What you want to be able to do is be able to guide the meetings. You want to be able to keep it within the framework of the structure that you've set up. You want to be able to call order to the meetings. You don't want to let them chase rabbits. You want to be able to guide the conversation. And a lot of people say, well, I don't have that level of experience. Well, you can, you can learn how to do that, but you've got to be competent, capable. You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to throw the flag, right? And a lot of people yeah. are not, they're people pleasers. And so I'm looking for people to run our groups that will call people out that are willing to stand alone. They're, they're willing to say, Hey, wait a minute, time out. You like this morning, it happened this morning. I was leading a group and this one guy said, Hey, I'm going to get out of doing this because of this. And I just don't, I said, are you running from something or to something? I said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, I want to understand why it is that you don't want to stay there and work through it. He said, well, my personality is really not at a place in this point in my life that I'm willing to change. And I said, well, that's pretty arrogant. If you're not willing to adapt in order to, for the greater good of the organization, you're just running from something you don't want to do. And it really took him to task. He got a little bit upset, but I was like, we got to think through this and be, see, it takes somebody that has that willingness to hold people's yes. feet to the fire. Here's the truth of the matter, Bob, if you and I were having a dialogue and I agreed with you yet, I thought differently, I'm doing you an injustice. I'm doing you a disservice. hundred percent. Yeah. And so I can't help you unless I'm willing in love to share the truth. And uh, that's what a real friend is. A real friend is being able to say diplomatically with a lot of empathy and compassion, Bob, I think you're wrong. And this is the reason I think you're wrong. And so let's have an honest debate. Let's, let's be thoughtful, but let's go through this. And you're like, man, I didn't see that. I said, that's why it's called blind spots, right? We can't see it. Right. But friends, people that are around us are willing to call us out. I really love that you talked about the distinction because I think people think, oh, to lead a mastermind group, I've got to, I've got to know more than everybody in the room. Mm -mm. And I think what I heard, if I'm paraphrasing, is you need to have experience so sure. you can basically understand what's being talked about. But really, it's about being able to manage the room and pull the wisdom out of the room and make sure that it's a creative 
um, really fruitful process for the member who's doing the sharing and, and needs and needs the help. It's it's not about being the wisest sage in the place. Exactly. It's about it, it's about something different. So thanks yeah. for making that distinction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. What do you think, um, Aaron, is the is the future kind of a crystal ball for um, I'm going to say mastermind groups, but yeah. um, you know, we see trends over years and, sure. you know, the coaching, the group coaching, the Facebook groups, the masterminds, the what's, what's next in your opinion? What do people, where, where, what do people need? What, yeah, where do you here's see the thing. Going? I'm not sure what the next thing is, but what I do know is, is that the camaraderie, the need to be in community, uh, the, the isolation being the enemy of excellence is never going to go away, regardless of what the mm. next new thing is. Th this is not going away. People ask me, they said, how long has masterminds been around? I said, well, Jesus had 12. So I can only <laughs> go back that far. But the truth is, is the most successful people on the planet, uh, had what we'll call mastermind groups, people that were, fundamentally sound, uh, people that identified with the same core values, similar worldviews that were able to call out and challenge. I want to tell you, man, when I was in the Eagles group for a dozen years, uh, it was some major sparks flying. I mean, it was some major, but you know what? We hugged each other after it was over and we went and had breakfast together or <laughs> we would go on a trip together. And the, the thing is, is that we've got to surround ourselves. We got to be willing to subject ourselves to others scrutiny. And when you know their motivation is in alignment with yours, you know exactly where their heart is, you know that they want best for you. That's nothing new going to take the place of that. See, God designed us to be in community. That yeah. will never go away. Here's what my fear is. Actually, it's a good thing for us. The pandemic has driven people to be more isolated, and that's going to create a lot of problems in the future. Like we were doing Zoom for nine years, right? Before Zoom was cool, we were doing right. Zoom, right? And so it's helped our business. It's helped people to understand there's a void in my life. There's something missing in my life. I don't have the peers at work anymore because a vast majority of people are working from home. And then they're afraid to go to church because of COVID. And they're afraid to go out in public. And they just continue to isolate themselves. And one day they wake up and they go, hey, man, there's a big void in my life. And that's that camaraderie. That's that community. That's that caring compassion of other people. Nothing will ever take the place of that. And we need to do something in order to feel that. I talk to business owners every day that are super successful. That They say, I, I feel in isolation. I feel like I'm alone. And the more successful you become, oftentimes that happens even more, right? You become more isolated because you've developed systems and processes and you delegate everything out. And then you're like, okay, I, I, need, I need people. I need something around me to encourage me and to help me. And so we're seeing this more, pre more prevalent today than ever before because of the pandemic drove people into more isolation. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, we're seeing the same thing. And I think, yeah, we're realizing that now and we're going to continue to see kind of the fallout from what, what really happened. Um, you know, what what were the long term effects of the the strategies, the the policies, whatever you want to call it? Um, Brandon is going to ask you a question in a minute, and but I'd love for you to kind of talk about your organization, how people could uh, find out more about you, maybe joining your groups or maybe learn how to run their own groups. If you wouldn't mind sharing those resources, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that opportunity, 
our parent company is called View From The Top. <laughs> and you can find us at viewfromthetop.com. Uh, I was asked recently, as I am often, why is it called View From The Top? I said, because nobody wants a view from the bottom, right? We all want our own view from the top and we help people design their own view from the top. One of the services that we provide is mastermind and it's called iron sharpens iron. It's from Proverbs 27, 17, as one man sharpens another as iron sharpens iron. If we really want to go to the next level, we have to have people around us to call us out, to encourage us, to help us, to give us resources, ideas, help us in networking. Uh, it just takes you there much faster. We've developed a phenomenal community. Uh, we have numbers of mastermind groups. They meet in groups of 10. Uh, twice a year, we meet in person. And if you're interested in that, there's no hard sale. We never do a hard sale to mm. anybody. If it's a good fit, great. If it's not a good fit, we can steer you in the right direction. The next right step would be to go to viewfromthetop.com, fill out the application. There's no financial requirements for the application just to see if we're in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. It also gets you in front of me for 40 minutes and we have a one-on-one -on -one dialogue and we kind of go through where you're at. If you're a good fit, great. If you're not a good fit, I'll say, hey, you're not a good fit. And here's what I would suggest you do next. And so we would love to have you. We would entertain uh, the opportunity to be able to have that kind of dialogue with you. So go to viewfromthetop.com, fill out that application. Awesome. Brandon. Perfect. All right. So Aaron, we have this segment in our show that we like to call the 60 second rant or soapbox. Uh, so this is, uh, you seem like a guy who, who has no problem sharing some opinions. <laughs> Do you have anything personal, professional, doesn't matter what it is. Um, anything you just want to soapbox yeah. on here for 60 oh, man. seconds. <laughs> ranting love, is good too. You could talk yeah, about I love to rant. I'm on rant. You're giving all me right, permission. Right, You're all inviting right. it. So I'm going to rant. Yeah, yeah, here's, what it. It is. <laughs> here's what it is. Man, you got to be careful with your kids out there today with social media and with all this gaming. Uh, I'll just say it because it's a rant. Like I hate gaming. I hate that stuff because I think it's ruining our children. I think that the dopamine hits that they're getting is addicting. And the more they play, the more they've got to play. They're missing so many opportunities out there today to interact with other children. They don't even know how to talk to other kids. They just look at each other. They're sitting at the same table, texting each other at the <laughs> same table. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I took my granddaughter years ago with her best friend, to a basketball game. I looked in my rear view mirror. They both were on the phone and I turned around in my truck and I said, why are y'all on the phone? And they said, we're talking to each other. Like, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me. And they're like, no, we go to restaurants and we see families and the kids have their iPad and the other kids on their phone and the parents are scrolling through Facebook. Robin and I went to a nice dinner the other night. There was a beautiful candle on a table. It was really decorated. This couple came in and we spoke and they said they were celebrating their one year anniversary. And we congratulated them. We gave them a little bit of wisdom, you know, as we were talking 30 minutes after they sat down, they both got on their phone and spent an hour on their phone at their one year anniversary. I said, you've oh got to be kidding me. This is insanity. And I just want to encourage the listeners out there today. You're going to look back and you're going to regret not building boundaries around your children's screen time. And I implore you to build the boundaries so that they're healthy. Go make them ride their bike, get out in the yard, 
play with the other kids, play baseball, play soccer, do something, but please get them off the screen. Well said, Aaron. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people shaking their heads right now going, yeah, man, speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Such a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. Um, just, uh, I imagine people are going, yeah, that that's a guy who's kind of cut from the uh, the middle of the country, mm. uh, really sage, wise person. So mm. just thanks for taking the time yeah, to share man. with us today. And uh-huh. uh, we hope people avail yourself of of your resources and, and the opportunity to maybe work with you. So thanks yeah. again. It's so thanks good. for having me. I enjoyed Thank it. You, Aaron. you guys were fun. We'll see you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. A show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.